Hi, friends. It's Randy and Jess, and we're going to cut the bullshit. And let's get into women's mental health. Welcome to the podcast, Unapologetically All Over the Place with Randy and Jess. We're two licensed psychotherapists, and we talk about mental health, well-being, and strategies for coping with life's up and down challenges and how it's all normal. Yep. And today's podcast, we're going to go over borderline personality disorder, also known as BPD. Uh, BPD is a mental health condition that affects about 14 million Americans or 1 to to 2% of the general population. And it's characterized by a wide range of symptoms, which makes it a challenge for those who experience it and those who, you know, are in relationships with people who have borderline personality. Yeah, and it can be very hard to diagnose and very hard to understand. So we are going to talk about that. And you can find more resources on our website. It's linked on our podcast, and it's randyandjustpodcast.com. Okay, so have you ever thought... Are people with BPD more manipulative? What causes BPD? What exactly is borderline personality disorder? Why do people with BPD pick fights? How can I support someone with BPD? How can a person be doing so well and then out of the blue on a downward spiral? Are people born with BPD? Those are all really, really good questions. Oh, and another one, how can I have a healthy relationship with someone who has mm. borderline personality disorder or on the opposite side, like how can I have a healthy relationship having this diagnosis? Right. Okay. So those are those are really, those are hard. Yeah. I mean, and this is one of those things. So let's go ex- first start off by what does borderline personality disorder mean? Because the name doesn't fit. I mean, it really doesn't fit anymore. It's like ADHD, too. Like, the names don't fit. They're so outdated. I think that they it does a disservice Mm -hmm. to what it is because it's kind of, uh, you know, pigeonholed this, like, into what people think or what they've seen on TV or had experience with. It can be, like, a very narrow focus when it is really there's so much to cover with it. Um, I call it the scarlet letter of mental health. It's one of those things that I find that most people, most even therapists, either A, don't know a lot about. Right, or they don't want to touch it. Or they don't want to touch it. Mm -hmm. Or they don't want to tell you that's what you have. Or like, I've also had people like, oh, your your spouse is borderline? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, that's God. Yeah. And so it gets a lot of negative, you know, just there's stigma with yeah, it. Yeah, there's a huge stigma with it. And I think people are very fearful of it. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be if you understand it. And so when I worked in a clinic, I ended up having a lot of clients who had it. So I became very well acquainted with it. Mm-hmm. And I can understand how it can be misdiagnosed very often too, or it's hard to diagnose because it does take time and you have to really like learn about it. So borderline personality disorder is a serious mental illness. It centers around the inability to manage your emotions effectively. So like you have really reactive emotions and it's hard to regulate your emotions. Right. And the name came from, um, they used to, they said borderline because it was a, a between psychosis and neurosis. And those are big words. Right. So psychosis and neurosis. Can you break that down for the rest of the population? <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, 
I don't even know how to break that down. My brain won't do that right now. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, but, no. <laughs> no. But basically, it's like the in-between kind of being all over the place and like the being really emotional and it just stuck. And that's why it's hard to break down because one, it doesn't even fit what that means. Yeah. Okay. So psychosis is mental and emotional disruptions, dysregulation, yeah. mm-hmm. and then neurosis is coming from like stress, depress- like other outside sources. And the other one is kind of like organic, genetic. Oh, so it's yeah, like yeah, both yeah. Of one's those kinda, inside, one's outside. Yeah, so kind of converging and then like exploding like all over the place. And there's no regulation kind of like on either side when you have borderline. So it's like, how do you manage when both halves of yourself are kind of competing, you know, in mm-hmm. a way or clashing. And that's why it's characterized by having unstable moods, having unstable behaviors, and a lot of instability in relationships, which is what we've kind of come to know it as. Like, oh, God, you know, like you have like really crazy like attachment styles to people or like you're like really insecure around relationships or things like that. Well, and it also you experience really intense emotions that quickly shift, which is why a lot of times it gets misdiagnosed as like bipolar, mm-hmm. right? And so they, they're very, uh, sometimes they, it can come across as very like black and white thinking, right? Real one extreme or the other. And if you're not sure what black and white thinking is or gray thinking, listen to our episode 36 where we go over um, black and white thinking. Right. And people with borderline personality disorder often struggle with a sense of identity, Mm -hmm. like who they are. They'll attach it to somebody else that they're with. They have usually a very strong fear of abandonment. Huge, huge yeah, fear. Yeah, huge, like huge irrational fear. And we're talking like, you know, hanging onto your leg as you're like walking out the door. Right. But a lot of times what I see is that they'll push, 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 push to see if you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the... Because usually there has been trauma there, of course, mm-hmm. that has, you know, perpetuated this mental illness. And so there is like that. They've probably been abandoned or have some trauma in their background. And so this just, you know, exponentially makes that fear even more irrational. But when we say irrational, it feels very real. It does. It, it feels very real. But like if... So, like, scientifically, if we were looking at a baseline for most people who can handle it, it yours would be, like, spiking all over the place. But, like, if you're in the middle of an episode like that or you're feeling that way, it doesn't feel – it feels normal. Mm-hmm. And you think it's normal. They're going to leave. Even they're like, dude, we're married. We have, like, five kids and I'm not going anywhere. No, no. You're going yeah, to you're leave. you're leaving me. You're leaving me. It. Don't go to work. You're leaving And me. that's where that black and white thinking comes in. It's, like, all or nothing. Like, you're, like, 100%, this is the way it's going to be. And, like, you can't talk yourself out of it, like, in that moment. And so there are a lot of also co-occurring, you know, disorders that happen at the same time. So let's go back first real quick. Yeah. Um it actually affects a lot more people than we realize, mm-hmm. right? Uh, BPD affects about almost 6% of the adults, which in the U.S. is about 14 million Americans, right? Right. At some point in our lives. Uh, and, and really, once you have BPD, it doesn't, I mean, it gets better, but you don't ever not have it. Right. right. It's like, you know, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, even if you're not drinking, you're just a dry alcoholic. Right. And it does. It really does affect your whole life when you have it. And if you don't manage it, 20 percent of patients that end up in a psychiatric hospital 
um, have borderline personality mm-hmm. disorder. So it can cause a lot of issues with your mental health if you do not regulate it. Well, and you know, what was interesting is that they're showing that BPD affects 50% more people than Alzheimer's. That's right? crazy. And we're like huge on talking about Alzheimer's disease, finding a it's cure a for flag, it. It's got a little research, yeah. it, all sorts of things. But like, we don't have that for borderline personality disorder when it affects so many more people. And it's like kind of like this disorder we kind of are like scared to talk about or Again, like, are like, yeah, are like pushing it under the rug and we're not normalizing it or trying to understand it more. So really, we're going to go back a little bit to the causes of BPD. And like Mm -hmm. we said, there's usually some a history of trauma, some type of like major life experience. Um, There could be childhood abuse or neglect. Right. And we're talking sexual, physical, mental abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, it's really important to say that there isn't always trauma. I really no, there's think, not always a link between no. that. There's a possibility of that, but it's not a hundred percent. Well, but there's also um, genetics and mm-hmm. generational trauma, and so yes. some people have this because of their genetics. It could be generational trauma. Um, it isn't. It's normally linked to this, but there have been a lot of cases where it is not linked to this. So, can you explain a little bit on generational trauma? We should probably do a whole podcast on that because it's something that I'm very passionate about. But just a quick like overview. So, let's say great grandma had borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. What that means is that with generational trauma, you know, now grandma may not have it. But it could skip a generation and maybe, you know, your parents end up with, your mom ends up with, say, some traits of borderline, mm-hmm. right? And so the generational piece is that it, it kind of, you know, passes down through generations. Right. What I've also seen, too, is that maybe, you know, there was great-grandma or grandma who was borderline, and then mom has borderline traits, even mm-hmm. though she's not, because we pick up some of these traits. Right. So it was like the way she was influenced by the way she was either raised or in that environment. So those those environmental factors of being around somebody yeah. who is maybe unregulated with their borderline, you know, personality or didn't know how to manage it has affected you. And you've picked up kind of like these behaviors and traits and like passed them on. Right. I've had therapist colleagues be like, I think she's borderline. And I'm like, mm, she doesn't meet the criteria, right? Mm-hmm. But she's got some of the traits. And then we find out that, oh, it was her mother or her grandmother that was borderline. Right. And so she picked up some of this. Mm-hmm. And so when you do have a borderline personality disorder and you are officially diagnosed, it means that this is impacting and interfering with your daily life. Mm-hmm. So like your coping skills, your ability to work, your ability to maintain relationships, friendships, all these things, your ability to brush your teeth, things like this, it, it impacts it on a major level. So it's not like just like people are like, oh, I'm borderline. You know, people will like throw that out there, you know, like kind of like joking. And it's really not a joking matter because when you do have it, it affects every aspect of your life. Yeah. Your working relationship, your school, your family, your spouse, your kids. Mm-hmm. It affects everything. So let's talk about some of the... Actually, I want to go back even further for one second. Did you know that this really wasn't even recognized until about 1980? Yeah. I mean, it was not recognized. It does make sense because I want to say mental health is still fairly new on the scene that we are recognizing it. 
and diagnosing it and talking about it. Right. Like we talked about PMDD in mm-hmm. one of our previous episodes. That even when I started this this career, yeah, it wasn't even not a, a thing. It wasn't a thing. And even like ADHD and stuff too. There's so much research happening about it now that we've never had before. And you know, now that we're like doing more brain scans and things like that, like there, we still just have so such a long way to go with mental health. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. And we need to understand that and be kind to ourselves too while we're navigating this. There aren't always like all the resources that we think we should have, you know, because we're on smartphone number 5024, but like we still don't, you know, know how to manage mental health. (laughs) You know, I'm going to sidetrack for two seconds. I'm a squirrel. So the other night in my book club, we were doing a Zoom with the author, Robert Dugoni. Mm -hmm. Um, He does a lot of different uh, like thrillers and just a bunch of different series. Really good. And it was so nice. And it was such an amazing conversation with him. Um, you know, there's like 300 women, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, he's talking to us about his books and his writing process. In that span of an hour, I think he must have mentioned different mental health about three or four times. I mean, he talked about, you know, anxiety. He talked about in this book about, you know, understanding PTSD. I mean, and he was going through it. And I was just like, man, I, he just normalized it and talked about it like it was no big deal. And that's nice. And not a lot of people do it. And that's why we're here, you know, mm-hmm. yapping on here on this podcast, hoping you guys take a listen, because we really want people to know yeah. it, it's every day. It's in every corner. It affects somebody you know, whether it's this or some other type of diagnosis. It's something that we should not be ignoring any longer. Or ashamed of. Or sh- yeah, or ashamed of. We should have it out in the open. So like you don't feel alone in it. And it's like with borderline personality disorder, you have already a fear of abandonment. And so it's like if you're not talking about that and normalizing that, you're going to feel so desperately alone in that and like nobody is going to be there for you. And nobody wants that. No. And, you know, I, I as a when I was, you know, younger, earlier in my career, I didn't understand it as much, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't, there wasn't a lot taught about it, right? Because no. you know, in school, we go through a bunch of stuff. We were, you know, depression is always the one that everybody goes over a lot, right? right? We went over it, but not as much, you know? And I used to be like, okay, I know they're borderline. When they, they get mad at me, they slam the door and storm out of my office. Right. You're like, oh, what the hell was that, right? Mm-hmm. Over the years, you know, I've, I have several that I work with now that, I mean, I adore them. They are amazing people. Yes. And, and once you can get past, you know, some of the things that therapists think are scary, mm-hmm. and, and I'll go over that in a second here, but once you get past some of that, they are amazing people that just need some of the reassurance and the tools to live their lives. Yeah. And that's what's really cool. And I think what scares most therapists, though, is that like, there's all that impulsive and like self-destructive behavior. Right. And that the goes stigma around it. it too. I think right. people they're afraid if they say, like, I think you have borderline, they're gonna melt down and freak out about it. Right. But like some of it is like the substance abuse or the self-harm, mm-hmm. you know, suicidal ideations or thoughts, right? And and a lot of times they're saying, you know, I'm gonna kill myself or I'm gonna, you know, do something and people freak out when really they just they have such an intense emotional pain and so much distress that that is just a way for them to not feel that, right? right? It's like redirecting it. And I had found too with a lot of my clients and stuff that 
they had been diagnosed, but it had never been explained yes, to them. Yes, never told. So they had no idea. And like what I would do was I would sit down mm-hmm. with a, my giant whiteboard and I would break down how it was broken down, how it affected them, where could they see themselves like in these patterns. And they were like, oh my God, it was like a light bulb moment. This makes so much sense. And when I broke it down and showed it to them, like in black and white, they weren't fearful of it and they could own it. And then in that ownership, they could take control of those things that were causing them these out of control and spinning and life issues. They could like tackle them one by one. We could walk through it together. I was like, oh my gosh, this is who I am and that's okay. And let's work on this. It's so amazing. Like the old, the old school thought process was that borderline personality disorder wouldn't live past twenty five, right? And that so high risk, so high risk, you, they're gonna you know, kill themselves exactly. or die. You're gonna unalive yourselves, whatever you want to. That's what they say on TikTok. Unalive, so, yeah. So much. I like that better than the other one. Okay, yeah, but right. and, the, and nobody wants to touch that. Nobody's like, you need to be on all this crazy medication, like, and this just like so much negativity around it. And it's not, it is not a life sentence. If you can understand it and you have the right support system, you have a good therapist, you have good family and friends around you, you have a good support group, you can understand it. Like you get on the right, you know, medications. It doesn't have to be that this is, I've heard parents say too, like, oh my gosh, like my, you know, teenager, like adult, like when it onset sometimes, like in your 20s or whatever, or like, you know, in the teens, like they're not going to live like, you know, this, you know, psychiatric hospital says, and I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. I no, had no. somebody recently, yeah. um, she was told a family member who was told that like, you know, the person in her life that was borderline was going to die by 25. And I was like, no. Who says that? I said, that (sighs) is not what we think anymore. I was like, we have better tools now. And, you know, the person who was telling her was older and that's okay, right? But it was an old school therapist. Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, no, that is, it's not an in sentence. There are ways to support your person, right? right. And, there and are- you can owe it to yourself too and have the right too to ask the person that you're working with and the team and the doctors, like, what is your education on this? What is your background in this? Do you specialize in it? Can you point me in the direction of somebody that does have the experience in this, keeps up with the research on it and can help me with this? Because like you said, there is, you know, there are some doctors and therapists out there that are still, you know, practicing from a dusty old 1970s whatever book, you know? (laughs) Like, sorry, but I'm going to be honest out there. And it's like only because I've fallen into those pitfalls, you know, before myself and seeing, you know, having seen clients who had been like diagnosed for like 10 or 15 years and never been told this is what your diagnosis is. Education is power. And as women too, we need that power and we need to know what's happening. Yeah. I, I still am just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that some of these people who I've worked with who have BPD who aren't didn't know they had it right. until and even me I was like well you know this sounds like BPD and they're like what is it and we start talking about it and I'm like you know and then they go back to their psychiatrist and he's like oh yeah that's what it is and I'm like 
I, oh, yeah. Why? Or that's what I diagnosed and wrote down on your paperwork, but I've never talked to you about it. Right. And you're like, why not? I mean, it's so weird that like this is something I've experienced as a therapist, you've experienced as a therapist, mm-hmm. but we didn't have this conversation. No. So this is really common across the board that this happens. And I will say that I will work with people who have BPD, but because it is not my specialty, I have them and we'll go into kind of like the treatment for it, but I also have them work with somebody who does like what we call DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's a common treatment for BPD. And that focuses on helping individuals learn to regulate their emotions, tolerate stress better, like you can go into major, you know, distress and then spin out and help improve, you know, the relationships so they can have healthier relationships and better boundaries Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to maintain boundaries when you have borderline personality disorder. And I would have those open conversations with my clients too because they would want to kind of be like, you know, as your therapist, like you're my BFF, you know, like stars in their eyes. And I was like, no, don't get that way with me. I was like, I'm human too, you know, and like this is where we're going to go with this. Like, and you got to do the work too. Like, I'm not going to solve all your problems. Having those important conversations empowers yourself and your clients and stuff to move beyond and take control. And and what I would do is also talk with the spouse Mm -hmm. and explain it and be like, this is what happens. And when you do this behavior... What it does is it triggers this person to yes, do this. Yes. And so what this person really needs is for, you know, and, and we kind of work through it. Mm-hmm. Or and, bringing in the family or yeah. things or like a sibling, whoever it is that, you know. Their person. Yeah, their person that they're in with. So everybody can get on board to help manage, you know, the emotions and the distress or like triggers and stuff like that. Well, and then, you know, even if I have clients that tell me about it and I'm like, okay, so your your partner sounds like they're borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. you know, you really need to read some of these books, yes, right? And I'm not like, oh, you should, you, you know, oh, ditch them. You, you, they're never going to get no, better. No. no, but you need to read these books to see kind of what is going on and then do therapy with them because this is hard stuff. And they're, you know, normally they're very creative. They're very bright, just like ADHD. It's that right. whole neuro divergent brain that, you know, we're just on a different path. But right. you just have different insecurities and different thought patterns and different way you attachments. Yeah, styles. a different attachment styles, which we'll talk about in an upcoming podcast too, because there's so many different, you know, attachment styles and you know, trusting people and things like that is really hard too when you have borderline, you know, personality disorder. And so learning, giving yourself those extra coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. is so important and it can be treated successfully. You can have a successful long life with BPD. Yeah, and you can have a successful relationship, marriage, um, friendship with somebody who has BPD, right? So what type of medications, too, are usually prescribed with borderline personality disorder? Um, Normally, these are going to be medications that address, like, the depression or the anxiety or the impulsivity, right? So we're looking at, like, SSRIs, um, S. NRIs. I always get that one mixed up, right? um, But we're looking for basically antidepressants. Okay, yeah. Um, Or sometimes mood stabilizers like lithium, um, an antipsychotic. Yeah, don't be afraid when people say antipsychotic. It's 
it just is also kind of like helps you like stabilize. I don't know why they call it that, but anyways, so like it's old school yeah, and somebody yeah. named it like 50 years right. ago. So like quintopine and things like that, but it all depends on your symptoms and needs and your doctor who's and your prescribing. doctor. So you need to have, you know, a good, you know, psychiatrist, a good therapist and a good, you know, physician that can all help you manage your medication if that's the right course for you. And you should be in a support group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while you're working through this, be in a support group. You know, DBT is typically done in classes, yeah. right? You do DBT classes, um, and and DBT is really cool. It's that dialectical behavioral therapy, therapy which is underneath. I'm going to throw a lot of initials at you, right? Yeah, yeah. Under cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. So basically, rewiring your thought patterns yes. in your brain, which you can do. It's a lot of work. But you can do it. But it's with homework. It's with worksheets. It's with I love a good worksheet. <laughs> oh man, I don't. I just I can't. I do. I like fill in the blank. But yeah, it's not. But there's different, you know, ways you can come up with the best way that works for you. Yep. You don't have to be fearful of it. Right. And and what you want to do is, you know, it is treatable. And when something in your life happens and it triggers you is to acknowledge it, to to be like, okay, that's my BPD. And if it's not, if it's something that feels unmanageable, you go back to therapy, you get back to your DBT class, you right. go back to what was working for you, you know, and then once you're doing well and you feel like, okay, great, then you can go back as needed. Right. And that's really what it is, is that once we can define it, we can li- not label it, but but diagnose it mm-hmm. and really end the stigma of it, yeah. then we can start acknowledging it. Just like I, you know, I teach- And you. access tools, you know, yeah. for it. Yeah. Just like we, we normalize our ADHD. Right. You know, we normalize our kids' ADHD. We should normalize this. Like it's okay. It's not that it's not a big deal, but it's also not the scarlet letter that, you know, psychiatry kind of treats it as. Right. Like you can manage it. You can live with it. You can have a healthy relationship on it. Mm-hmm. There is hope out there. We don't want people to feel hopeless with it. Yeah, there really is hope. It is just a matter of getting to the people who can help you. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Oh. Yeah, that feels, I'm just, just like, man, that just, just <laughs> see, and that's the thing. It has so much amped up that it just yeah. feels so heavy. And once we just talk about it, it just feels like let's normalize this. Just like that author I was talking about the other night, normalizing other mental health. I was like, if we would have everybody do that mm-hmm. in such a nice, loving, calm right. way. The more we talk about it. The more we speak out about it, the more we share about our own struggles about it, the less people feel alone, and the further we're going to go with our education on it and finding more resources for it. And so we thank you guys for listening in with us on this journey. If you have questions, you can always reach out on our website, randyandjustpodcast.com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and normalizing mental health with us. Don't forget to check out our free resources and favorites on our website, unapologeticallyrandyandjess.com. Like and share this episode and tune in next week.